Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, brought to you by Canon Plus. This week's episode is a conversation between Rachel Jankovic and Douglas Wilson about the topic of emotional self-control. For more on this topic, be sure to sign up for Rachel's webinar, Get a Grip, Emotional Self-Control in an Age of Radical Self-Indulgence. It's like you're putting big switches on yourself all on the outside, like just any stranger can be in charge of whether I'm productive today. You're just allowing yourself to be controlled. So we're here to talk about your webinar, Rachel, uh, which I understand is entitled Get a Grip. What's, what's, <laughs> who are you, yes. Who are, you, who are you talking to? Uh, Christian women, it's just about the topic of emotional self-control. That's something that a lot of the times when I'm talking about mothering or something else that's in the background or assumed and it causes a lot of questions. Okay, like, so emotional self-control. This is These are strange words. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What are you, what do you, uh, what meanest thou? Well, I think that this is just an area that a lot of Christian women have not seen any examples of this, so they actually don't know that you can not give in to your emotions, or, or if that you're, you're supposed to, right? Or that, or sometimes there's there's oh, there's active Christian counsel that you are supposed to get into your emotions all the time and dump them on people and whatever. So I would say it's both lack of experience of what. I think is a basic Christian discipline, uh, as well as a lot of experience of what the world is promoting, which is a totally other way to handle your and they, emotions. And they call that being authentic or being the real you or not being phony or... The, right, the, or standing up for yourself or whatever. Okay, so before we go into the idea of learning self-control, emotional self-control, can we begin by agreeing, you would agree that there is such a thing as someone uh, harming themselves by stuffing it. Totally. Right, so there, it's not really self-control so much as it is uh, repression or right. they're not dealing with it. And you could see it in any other area. I think we would understand that. Like you could say learning the habits of eating healthy or ways yeah. different than saying, I love anorexia. Like where you're saying, here's how you ought to behave. It's very different than a eating disorder. You know, like you can talk about uh, how to deal with this. So just as there's a difference between someone who's sexually frigid or repressed and yes. someone who's self-controlled, right? Uh, um, there's an there's an analogy there. Totally. Actually, with all the appetites. Basically. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So in our in our era, we have given way and the Christian world has given way to the world's statement that you've got to let it all hang out and that's what <laughs> that's what honesty is right why does that make people so unhappy you mean following that following counsel because yeah. it's a horrible God to serve like your own <laughs> your own emotions are incredibly fickle so right. you could have like just think of an example of a mom with her children she could have one day where she's very angry with her kids and frustrated, and then the, the next day be feeling full of love for them. And you know, like your, your own emotional responses are all over the place. And right. if you think that you're just supposed to follow those and that they're meaningful in some way, you, it's like there is no solid place to stand ever. You have no objective truth. And the kids are walking on eggshells. It's a horrible place every, to be a kid. <laughs> yeah. Every day, um, which mom do we have today? Right. Know, and also, I think it makes, I think it's hugely, 
I think the Christian church is very vulnerable because, well, as the Bible says, women are gullible. <laughs> but if you go all the way back to, all the way back to Eve, and you look at the dialogue with Eve and Satan, he is playing on her emotions. I mean, like he's playing on the, uh, the questions of like making yourself feel like um, God's leaving you out of something, mm -hmm. right? Like she's Eve is he gets handles on her behavior through how she feels about the doubts that he raises or whatever. He makes her doubt things. He makes her feel insecure. He makes her feel like she's being left out or God is uh, right. ripping them off somehow. And that, I just think women still do that. Like the more you're given over to your emotions, the easier you actually are to control, the, the easier it is for other people. To manipulate uh, you. Yes, and like you're, it's like you're putting big switches on yourself all on the outside. Like just any stranger can be in charge of whether I'm productive today or not. Or anyone on the internet can decide that I'm not going to do my duties <laughs> today. <laughs> like I, you're just allowing yourself to be controlled. Okay, so if, if you take um, your emotional life and make that the baseline, or make your emotional life the foundation of your life, yes, and then build your life, your marriage, your family, your mothering, all right. of that on top of it, when your emotions go up and down, your whole life goes up and down. Yeah. Every, everything goes up and down. Well, everything in your life is always vulnerable then. You have nothing that's actually safely tied off outside of how I feel today. Right, and if, and if the foundation is something other than that, like the covenant or what God right. says, what God says about the you, the objective hard truths of Scripture. Yeah, the whole, the goal, right. the cold gray concrete of right. revealed um, truth is down here, and your emotions are built on top of that. Your emotions go up and down. This stays firm. And after a while, your emotions get tired and say, this isn't working. <laughs> I think that one of the things that is misunderstood often, like we were talking about uh, that it's not anorexia. To say this is a healthy way to eat is not anorexia. And that's a good illustration because I think the world is promoting bulimia in a big way, right? Like right. binge and purge, binge and purge all the time. That's what we ought to do. And whenever you say, no, let's enjoy God's food the way we ought to. People assume you're saying, let's starve ourselves to right. death. But the reality is that there is a way to live with your emotions that is more than not being governed by them. It's, it's actually appreciating and enjoying them as a gift that God has right. given you. Because there's a lot of emotions that you have well, you do still have need of self-control mm -hmm. around them. But they're, not, they're really just a good gift. You know, when you have a newborn baby and you're full of love for them, there's, you, don't, you don't have to be telling yourself, whoa, 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 like, <laughs> back up, control yourself, don't love this baby. Yeah. But you would if you were galloping away into, this is the only thing that matters in my whole life. And, you if know, you made the baby into an idol. Right. If you're going to do that, you so, would need to control so yourself there. Another, well, speaking of babies, children, toddlers, another illustration I've used over the years is your emotions are like children. Yeah. And your emotions are, your children are either going to be disciplined and well-behaved, or they're going to be hooligans. They're going to be mm -hmm. all over the place. Curtain climbers, yard apes, <laughs> yeah. um, ankle biters. So you've got these uh, rambunctious kids who are out of control. And uh, it's many people who, who um, are confronted with the idea of 
self-control of the emotions. It's like they've got, they're talking to a, a mom with five kids and the, the kids are all obedient and do what they're told. Mm-hmm. And the person who's objecting says, well, you don't know, you don't have kids. Yeah. Like, that's like, that's what it's like for someone to say, well, you, you're, you don't have emotions. Well, right. If you don't give yourself over to it, you've never experienced it. Right. Or you, you're not, you don't know what it is to yeah, be sad. Or but yeah, I've got five kids, just like you got five <laughs> kids. It's just that they mind. <laughs> it's just that they're obedient. And people whose kids are out of control, the only time they can enjoy their emotions is when they're asleep. Right. You know, you can go into the kid's bedroom and watch them conked out, and they're adorable then. But right. All the rest of the time, they're a holy terror. Yeah, it's a really, it's a miserable way to live. And there's a lot of things in Scripture that don't particularly speak to an emotionally undisciplined woman, but I would say a contentious woman is almost certainly that. Right. Right? Better to not even live in a house than to live with her. Right. Right? Like, that is so miserable for whoever's going to be there. Uh, And yet we keep thinking like, oh, well, if you have a grievance, you know, people are like, you have to be heard so people will respect you and you have to get, uh, you have to unload the truck on the whole family all the time. But scripture is very clear that that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Like it's manifestly clear um, that that's no way to behave as a Christian. And so the contentious woman is a nuisance to everybody else. A, a, well, more than a nuisance. Yeah, but and th- not fun for herself either. Uh, a threat to everybody else. And then Proverbs also says that a man without self-control is like a city with the walls broken down. Right. So not only are you a threat to others, but you are threatened yourself. You have no mm-hmm. means of defending yourself. It's also in Proverbs, isn't it? A wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. And right. this is a way... To do that, you can tear your house down all the time by making your house not at all a safe place for anyone, not a place that your children want to be, not a place where they're like where your relationship to them is the opposite of a protection and the opposite of it being a safe place or a, yeah. that this is it's not a safe place to be at home with. And because it's not a safe place, um, let, let's uh, maybe reverse engineer, reverse engineer this a bit. So one of the reasons why people say they have to vent their emotions and they have to mm-hmm. have this kind of outlet is because they're so hurt and they're so broken and they're so messed up. Right. And, and you say, you ask, well, what did that? Well, it turns out it was an abusive dad or an abusive mom mm-hmm. who didn't control their emotions, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So uh, if you're just being authentic and letting it all hang out, uh, what are you doing to your kids? Are your are your kids going to be in therapy? Because right. they, never, they never knew from one day to the next what they were going to encounter. Right, and I think a lot of the times people put it, they, they phrase that particular problem by saying, I still experience trauma from this. But they think that their reaction to that trauma is to be the opposite. They think they're being the opposite instead of being the exact Same thing. thing over again, right? Like, it's not... You're not ricocheting out of your mom's harsh, critical spirit into being the most loving person anyone has ever met. That's never what, when people are like, I'm traumatized, which is why I yell at my kids. Right. And so back in the day, with your, with your parents or your grandparents, everybody's got, there's, there are stories going all the way back, right? Yeah. So all the way back to Adam and Eve, we've got stories. The thing that's different about this generation is not that people were 
poorly raised and had awful upbringings. That happened to your great grandfather, great grandfather yeah. and great grandmother. But back in the day, you just didn't talk about it, yeah. right? So what's happening is you're being a bad parent, just like your great, just like your grandparents were bad parents. But your generation is giving you an excuse, right? It's yeah. <laughs> right, but and the reason people didn't talk about it back then is because it wasn't excused. Right. It was still considered, it was still shameful. It was shameful. It was not way. a thing that you wanted to acknowledge that you were doing. So um, as you've been talking about this, I, th I think you touch on some of the underlying theological aspects of this in your book, Yuhu. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, and as you've seen online interactions, what, what responses from women have you seen? I, I, I assume it runs the, <laughs> it runs the entire gamut. Right. right. How dare you from yeah. one end to the other end, this is liberating. Yeah, I would say that at least where people are seeing what I'm talking about, at least in that circle of the internet, it is dominated by relief. Like someone saying, you, there is a way to not be stuck in this. Like you don't, and I think that that is the fault of a lot of Christian teaching and women's groups and Bible studies where you go just to group introspect, like just to listen to our um, emotions about things. And I think because we live in an age that worships the self and the ideally the goal is the self-created self, the, mm -hmm. the self that doesn't reference God at all, but is just right. what you made up, that, that the, there's tons of writing on the theology, like selfology. Right. There are the gurus of how to, you know, like this is so important that you understand this. And I, honestly, I think it's a huge, a huge example of this is the fact that the Enneagram made such incredible headway through Christian churches mm -hmm. that people were so willing to be like, tell me more, like almost like it is diagrams of the Trinity. I've talked is, about myself long enough. You talk about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, like I sat on the plane next to a woman who asked me if I had read um Oh, it's the Richard Rohr book, mm -hmm. the back to you, way back to you, or something like that. I was like, no, but you should join the Bible reading challenge. <laughs> she, she was telling me she was a Christian. She said, well, my, my pastor has been preaching through the Enneagram, and he just got to fours. Like, it was like <laughs> our sermon is on fours. So it was so great. And she said, have you read this book? And I was kind of like, join the Bible reading challenge. And she said, she said, oh, I really don't like to read. Like, but, but it was amazing because she, she did have her holy text yeah. that she wanted me to read. Like, we are reading. We're just not going to read about God. We're going to read about us. Like, I'm not going to read God's revealed word. Instead, I'm going to read the Instagram account that's exploring my whatever it is with a wing of a something in my, I'm going to always be reading about that because that's the important thing to pursue. In, in your experiences, in the feedback you've gotten from women, is it they, all of a sudden they realize they, they have permission to not do this anymore and the lights come on and it's a life-changing Damascus Road Sometimes, thing? but I wish that would happen more often. <laughs> or is it more often a gradual process? Uh, I would say it's some of both. I think the, the funniest is sometimes people are ex well, not funny. This is why we keep talking about it. But they, they're excited by the potential. They're excited by the idea that I could get out of this tangle that I am in and that my whole family is in because this is, this is how we interact with each because other. Because when mama ain't happy, yeah. ain't, ain't nobody happy. Yeah. And <laughs> I've been, 
and they're excited about it. But then when it actually, when push comes to shove and the first moment where you would need to say this feeling that I'm having, I'm going to give it to God and not demand my husband feel it, notice it, do penance for it. <laughs> like I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, that first moment usually kicks in with a lot of, but this is hard. <laughs> like, how can I? And that is because if you don't have practice at doing it, you also don't have personal experience of how sweet it is to have done. Right? right. So it takes that initial, like, okay, I believe this to be the case to, I'm going to try to apply this in my life. There is a step there that is difficult. And as soon as you have gotten through that initial thing to see the fruit of mm -hmm. like, wow, I actually could lay down that grievance. I actually could give it to God. I could move on and it doesn't have to be between us. That then you have that experience of the the goal, like, why would I want to do that? It's like, oh, because it's way better. It's a way better way to live. This, this whole topic uh, reminds me a great deal of, and I think overlaps considerably with the empathy wars that um, mm -hmm. erupted around Joe Rigney's uh, appearance right. on Man Rampant, where we, we distinguished, um, and he wrote some articles distinguishing empathy from sympathy. Right. Right. And... Empathy, uh, sympathy is when someone's drowning and you keep one foot on the bank and a hand on the tree and reach out and mm -hmm. help them. Empathy is where you take a header into the river with them. And you me too. To, me too. Yeah. And I'm going to go down with you. I'm going to identify with you so completely that we're not going to ask whether your upsetness right now is reasonable. Right. You know, all, all you need to justify your upsetness is the fact of it. Right. And that's, that's just really not cool to say in Christian circles right now, is it? To say you shouldn't give yourself over to what you're feeling or giving yourself over to what other people are feeling. And I think there's, we live in a bizarre, because of the self as God, there's a million gods, right? right. More than a million. Everybody yeah, is a god. Billions. And so all everyone's emotions are the Holy Scripture somehow. Which is, I think, why we have all of the, um, all of the efforts to prioritize whose feelings matter more than, uh -huh. <laughs> like, like we have to somehow come we, up with a way to prioritize which need, God is in charge. Like, we need a pecking order because we don't agree because all of our emotions are not in agreement. So a lot of Christians go along with this sort of, that because for the first time they're having that, in a way they're having emotional self-control for the first time when they're saying mm -hmm. how I feel isn't as important as how this class of person feels. And there's some relief in that. There's some relief in right. saying, okay, how I feel is not the most important thing right now. But they're just deferring to another idol. They're not, they're not putting themselves under Christ and right. saying. A lot, of, a lot of this comes down to how you would define love. Right. right. So if, if love is, as I would take it, love is treating others lawfully from the heart. Mm -hmm. So I'm treating them lawfully the way God's word says to treat them and I'm, I'm wanting to do that. Right. Um, that would be love. But we've been sort of schooled in the idea that it's not love unless there's a spontaneous emotional 
wave that right. carries me into well, the, that carries me into that. Action. Around what I wrote, YooHoo, and writing some posts on Instagram about the problems with self love, like when everyone's talking about how to cultivate self love. Lots and lots of Christians are very caught up in the, but I must know how to love myself. I must practice loving myself so that I can love my neighbor as myself. Right. Like they're like, it's clearly implied in scripture that I have to practice and pursue self-love. And that's interesting because of course that leads you to a bizarre empathy because you're saying, I have to really enter into how I feel and then I have to do that to right. every other person as well. And that fails because Paul says in Ephesians 5 that no man ever hated his own flesh. What well, Paul takes the love your neighbor as yourself and applies it to marriage. Yeah, we were he, born with enough love for yeah, ourselves. <laughs> basically, take your love for yourself as the benchmark. Right. No man ever hated his own flesh. So take that as your standard and treat your wife like that. And so the second greatest commandment to love your neighbor as yourself doesn't say devote the next five years to loving yourself so that you know how to reach out to your neighbor. Yeah, That's it, starts great, with, uh, it starts with a lot of affirmations to yourself in the mirror every morning. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is what you have to do first before you can love your neighbor. Right, you go girl. And, and, <laughs> but then if you come at it from the other angle, um, when Jesus, the, the greatest act of love in the history of the human race was Christ going to the cross for us. Mm -hmm. And he didn't feel like it. Yeah. Right. So um, there's something if, if we... And he felt every agony involved in doing it. Right. Yeah. He, he spent a great deal of hours in prayer trying to get out of it. Yep. If, is, is there a way, Father, is there any way other than this? Uh, he agonized over it. He sweat uh, like blood-like uh, sweat. He... You know, he was, yeah. in, he was in torment over it. He was grief-stricken over this. And yet, not my, my will, but your will be done. And he went to the cross. And that is the, that's the apex of love. Right? That's how we're to define He went to the cross we despising it. the shame. Right. Like, it's, it's an amazingly not so full of delight to go do this right now. <laughs> right. So, uh, so, consequently, I would conclude that our definition of love in right. the evangelical community is all screwed up. Right. And when you've screwed up what the, the content, the, if, if you've screwed up the verb in the first two great commandments, <laughs> love the Lord What's your God. What's not possible then? <laughs> yeah, what, what doors to what hells have you opened? Right, totally. Uh, if there's, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's the first commandment but we don't know what love is anymore. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbors yourself. Well, we don't know what love is and we don't know what a self is, Yeah. right? And consequently, we don't know what a neighbor is. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, let's bring it down to a basic question. Who cares? <laughs> I care. I care <laughs> I that we do this. But, but why do we care? Why do we care? Well, you you uh, touched on this earlier about the difference between a family that's right. well-ordered and therefore enjoyed. Right. God has called us all, his people, his church, to actually do something in the world, to build Christendom, to be mm -hmm. actually, there is a mission <laughs> and there's an important mission that all of our places in our churches and our homes and our families is all part of what God is building. And I think that a lot of women have no perspective on what the big 
goal is and no imaginative vision for how laying a life of just steady faithfulness multiplies and the blessings that come from that and like they we don't have a grasp of what kind of glorious use our life could be we're just muddling around you know doing whatever so i think my really the thing that i would love to see and why i think this matters is that the more christian women practice this kind of self-discipline self-control in the regular life you know just in their regular managing of uh, their emotions, I think that we actually start building the kingdom, whereas when we make our emotions the whole mission, we're not doing it. You know, we're tearing it down, we're just not making progress, whereas... On top of that, we're eating our seed corn. So in in Hebrews it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of an upright life. Right. And people who indulge their emotions now are eating the seed, eating the seed corn right. for future planting, and they're not—they're gonna a famine's coming. Yeah. But, but if you if you learn the secret of deferred gratification in this area, in emotion, in your emotional life, right? Uh, you wind up at the end of the day, you wind up enjoying your emotions far more. Yes, uh, absolutely. Just like just like the family with obedient children, the parents enjoy the children, and the children enjoy the parents. Uh huh because they love each other. Right, and I think that there's a, just a real element where this is just, it's just countercultural to say that the Christian life is a life of self-denial, like taking up the cross. Like someone once said. And like, well, <laughs> but that this is actually a pilgrimage and a thing, like that it's, that it's actually a life that requires discipline. And while there's tons of glory and beauty and reason to want to do it, it's not like, it's not like, oh, this is a miserable existence, but Mm -hmm. you have to do it because you're a Christian, but that it actually is so foreign to us to think that we should ever say no to ourselves. And that's just a, that's just so essential to the Christian faith that I guess what I'm really saying is what if we, what if all these Christian women became disciples of Christ. <laughs> like what if we what if we decided that that was the most important Thanks. thing? And I've often thought about the women in the Reformation like Katie Luther and those that group of women who were nuns when they did that hilarious sort of choose a team captain and pick, you know, and they're like, well, we have these monks and we have these nuns, but now we think we should get married. So everyone pick someone. (laughs) They just kind of assigned it up. I mean, it was like a very funny moment. And I think Katie really chose Martin, like he was trying to get out of it. She was like, no, I'm the last one standing. You're the last one standing. You're a big big talker. (laughs) It's time time for action. Right. But I have thought many times over that part of what made those people so powerful and so culturally influential and so um, used by God is that they were all already all in for the gospel. To be in a convent, to get up in the middle of the night to do prayers, to do, you know, they'd, they'd already done that. And then it's like saying, so what could people like that do with homes, with families, with hospitality, with, and that's what I think I'm thinking. Well, why don't we take all these people who love Jesus, but just haven't realized what it would be to be a disciple and then see what would happen in the world? <laughs> What if we all just were all in? And even so far as it means overriding your own emotions. There you go. 
there you have it. We've all gotten a grip now. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you haven't yet, be sure to sign up for Rachel's webinar, Get a Grip, Emotional Self-Control in an Age of Radical Self-Indulgence. Just click the link in the show notes to sign up today.